Hey, what's up? It's Taylor Gray, Ezra Bridger from Star Wars Rebels, Spectre 6, transmitting from the Ghost, myself and the entire Ghost crew. That's Kanan, Hera, Zeb, Sabine, and Chopper. Yeah, I should have said Chopper first. We hear that you host a Star Wars podcast in New Orleans, uh, Nolans, Hoodat Jedi, and that you guys have hit 100 episodes. So that's something awesome to celebrate. Congratulations to you guys. That is awesome. I can't wait to check out the podcast. Um, I want to thank you for being a part of our Star Wars family and adding so much positivity and goodness to it. Um, because that's what makes Star Wars so cool is all of us who are part of it, from fans of the shows to uh, cast members to creators, we all love this amazing thing that is Star Wars. So thank you for being a part of our family. To another episode, not just another episode, as you heard in the intro, our 100th episode of the Hoodat Jedi podcast. Um, with me, as always, is Dave and Fredo. Can you guys believe this crap? Woo! <laughs> nope. <laughs> I can believe it. How, how can we, how, we? We found 100 episodes to talk about something. I mean, we must be like three of the people most full of crap on the planet. I don't know. We, but <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so hundredth episode and it, as we were recording it, it is, uh, it's weird because the sun is coming through my window because we're recording this in the morning of, uh, new year's Eve. So hopefully everybody will have a wonderful new year's, but, uh, yeah, a hundred episodes. That's, and, and that intro that you heard, that was Taylor Gray himself, uh, Ezra Bridger, <laughs> we having comms coming through, um, but uh, and that was very cool. That was a, a surprise from from Dave's Kate, right? Indeed, yes. She she surprised all of us with that. So, uh, um, I I did not even know that he was out there. Somebody else has joined. I think it's Fredo because he was having issues. Yeah, cops insane twenty twenty one. <laughs> so Fredo sounds like he's in an undisclosed location. Um, that's okay. So, um, well, to to uh, add to this story, um, got it. We got a text message. Dave and Fredo and I got a text message, and they knew who it was from. I I realized last night I do not have Kate's phone number because I'm sitting here trying to figure out who sent this kind of cryptic. And if you don't know it's Kate, it sounds kind of stalkerish, you know, text message. And so with, with a link to click on something and I've worked for, I've worked for Google and now I work for Salesforce and I get, I mean, I security sends us emails all the time trying to trick us into, um, you know, clicking on links and, you know, it's a phishing, you know, so I'm really hesitant to click on a link. So I'm like trying to figure out who sent this. And then, so I, and Fredo finally says Kate and I was like, oh, okay. I guess if I've ever messaged Kate, it's been on Twitter. Uh, so anyway, so now I have Kate's phone number, and it was very sweet. It was very, very cool. So, um, but yeah, at first I was like, "Who's stalking us?" we <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that was a funny story, but uh, no, like uh, he um, that that was a really nice surprise, um, and, and it's good to commemorate a hundred because honestly, um, there's so many podcasts out there, right? Um, I don't necessarily think that what we're doing here is special in any way. 
in that regard because there's just so many people out there that are doing this sort of thing. Um, but 100 kind of is special um, because it does mean that we've been at it for a while and it does mean that we haven't gotten tired of one another and that it that we're uh, still enjoying doing this. Well, and, and uh, I remember you and I having this discussion at Zony Mash and pre-pandemic, but and my whole reason for wanting to do this um, was because I needed a creative outlet. You know, when I was in, when I lived in Nebraska, I was in a band and I had, was going to rehearsals all the time and I had a creative, you know, a really regular creative outlet. Um, and I needed something, needed something new. Um, and so I was like, you know, everybody else does a podcast. Why, why couldn't we, you know, so Dave and I were talking about this and, we're like, yeah, Fredo would be great to be a part of it. So we roped him into this. Um, and honestly, the whole idea was for three friends just to sit around a table and BS about Star Wars. And that's, I guess that's what we do for 100 episodes. <laughs> so <laughs> we we started it with the, the, to coincide with the launch of the Mandalorian. Yeah, it, um, the, that was, that was the episode one. Yeah, we had. So it feels. Oh, go ahead. No, I was, yeah, we had we had instant um, material, you know, because the Mandalorian was yeah. coming out and all the Disney Plus stuff, and um, and we haven't. I don't think we've. I, I, you know, hopefully, you know, in the coming year, we'll give ourselves a little bit more wiggle room to nerd out a little bit beyond Star Wars, even though there's going to be a lot of Star Wars content. I mean, we got into the Marvel stuff, and I thought kind of diversified us a little bit, um, but the whole thing was just to be, um, yeah, just sit around kind of nerd out so i think like the best like and again this might be where i invite people to like share their experiences with our shows and give us some feedback where what they've liked hearing the most but like for me personally it's it's usually when we have guests on um and we get to talk to somebody with a different experience and, or somebody that is doing something that's really sort of interesting and cool uh and worth highlighting um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm all about us continuing to have guests, but again, um, if, if anybody out there has any sort of feedback for us, we, we, we sure like hearing it. Fredo, I think we're working on an echo here with your phone and your computer. That's a, well, you know, and of course it, this did actually start out with us sitting around my table. And then when the pandemic hit, we had to start relying on technology and we've, you know, kind of, I mean, yeah, just like everybody. So we've been going to Zoom school, you know, well, not Zoom, Google Meet, Zoom. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, the realities of technology, uh, as everybody else has, you know, just hitting ourselves against the wall. So, um, so yeah, so tonight, what we're going to be doing tonight, well, I guess it's nighttime somewhere, but um, what this episode is going to be, it kind of, it's kind of funny because our first episode was about Mandalorian first episode and um, God, that seems like forever ago, um, but we're going to do a group watch of the book of Boba Fett first episode. Now we've all watched it. And so we decided we just watch it together here. And so if you have a Disney Plus account, you can watch it along with us. What we're going to do is um, we're going to do some trivia here in a second because it wouldn't be our podcast without some Star Wars trivia. But um, you can get uh, Disney Plus kind of queued up in the Book of Boba Fett, the first episode. 
right where it says, you know, after all the, the cool stylized helmets go by, it says Star Wars in that nice stylized uh, thing. It's about 21 seconds in, I suppose. Um, so if you want to get there, then we can all hit play together and uh, we can just react to what we saw. Uh, but let's do some trivia first of all. And I'll grab three cards. And let's see, I'll have to hold them out far away because I don't have my glasses, my old man glasses. Okay. Um, so Dave, you're first. Who orders the transmission generator checked when communications are disrupted on Naboo? That's a toughie. Who orders the transmission generator checked when communications are disrupted on Naboo? <laughs> um, well, it was, it was, you know, it was that big group of... Um, politicians and so forth just sitting around and uh they were trying to figure out and uh, i know the old guy was like a communications disruption can mean only one thing invasion but i still don't know who actually asked i'm gonna say padme it is captain panaka ah i had i had i had no idea i knew what you were talking about yeah with mm -hmm. see i see i can even tell you that the old guy was ceo bibble i can tell you that I couldn't tell you who ordered the transmission generator checked. Wow. That was kind of a BS question, but oh well. They're all it's only BS if you don't know the answer to it. Fredo. Who accurately yeah. who accurately predicts that little droid is going to cause me a lot of trouble? Oh that sounds like something C three PO might say. Oh, wait, no. It's Luke. One of those answers is correct. I'll go with Luke. It is Luke Skywalker. Ding, 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 ah. ding, ding. Yeah, I have to think about it for a moment. It's got like, no, no. Because at first I thought that's something 3 p might have said in episode one. But then I realized, no, it's Luke in episode four. All right. So for me, who operates the manual release for the Millennium Falcon's landing claw? Man, I got the easy one of the three of us. <laughs> Who operates the manual release for the Millennium Falcon's landing claw? That would be Chewbacca in Empire Strikes Back. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. Hooray. So, cool. Just right before Boba Fett starts chasing him down. So, that's a nice little nice little segue ah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, real quick, though, before we start Book of Boba Fett, uh, anybody get what's, uh, any cool Star Wars stuff um, for Christmas? Yep. Um, I, yeah, I got a few uh, books mostly uh, for Star Wars. I think I mentioned I got uh, the uh, Homer, the uh, the epic poem of Star Wars. Uh, I also got the next book in the uh, High Republic series, which I hadn't picked up, so I got that as a present. So I'm glad with that. Cool, Dave. I got the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy. Um, so. That's pretty cool because I hadn't read any of those yet, and I I, I enjoy the Zon Thrawn uh, books, so that's um that's cool. And then, um, of course, my son got a double sided lightsaber, so I'm I'm jealous of him. But uh, <laughs> it's really neat too. It's actually you know it's one of the it's you know it's one of the kid ones, but um uh you know so it's not like one of the two hundred dollar Galaxy Edge things. But uh, it's you can disassemble the thing and, and like split it in half and stuff. And so like, yeah, it's perfect for lightsaber duels. I highly recommend the Darth Maul 
double-sided lightsaber. So you can like reenact, you know, cutting the lightsaber in half and then, you know, yeah. kicking your yeah. kicking your son off the porch, you know, so yep, it's like he's exactly. going down to yes. react. So I got a couple pieces of artwork uh, in a previous episode. We talked about uh, the 13th floor, I believe, and they have World War II images that they put Star Wars stuff on. So this one's a, a TIE fighter uh, being loaded onto a boat, which is really cool. And then my brother-in-law and sister-in-law brought me back from Hawaii um, when they went and visited. Uh, it's just a piece of artwork. It's on a piece of wood, um, and it's uh, a stormtrooper carrying a surfboard. So it's kind of cool. Um, but anyway, so. Also, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that, that my kids also got me a Star Wars t-shirt and some Star Wars socks. So, like, I don't want to leave them out of that. Bravo. Yeah. Well, that's important stuff. You'll be, you'll be wearing all that throughout the year. All right. So I think it's about time to start the uh, Book of Boba Fett commentary. Um, and so, like I said, everybody get about 21 seconds in. It's right where it says Star Wars and that neat little stylized stuff right before the episode starts. So on the count of three, hit play. So three, two, one, play. Star Wars. And uh, by the way, no, go ahead, Fredo. No, just going to ask, as we get started, uh, have you seen any of the commentary, any of the stuff that's been said around? Because it seems like, unlike The Mandalorian, the Book of Boba has started out with far more uh, energetic response or reaction from fans. Energetic is an interesting way of putting it, because I would call it yeah, maybe a little divided. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I meant. It's, you know, it's very much passionate to, to be kind. So I, okay. So, you know, here we are, we're getting, we're seeing a uh, Boba Fett in the back to tank. Mm -hmm. um, I will, I will say um, I find it interesting and we'll, t we'll talk about it maybe at the end here. Um, my initial mm -hmm. reaction after watching this, and first of all, I love all these um, flashbacks to Camino and Geonosis. Mm -hmm. I thought mm -hmm. that was awesome. And I don't know, is this like a different kid or is that Daniel Logan with some uh, different footage that we've never seen before? I, I or did they film new footage? I think that's new because it's shot from a different angle. It's, it's shot to recreate the, the final shot we get of Daniel in episode two, but it's not the same. But not now, shot from the same angle, not seen the same way. So but now yeah, we see, I, yeah. it I would love to know if it was unused footage. Yeah. Sorry, now we see him in the uh, the Sarlacc pit. So we we go straight to the thing that everybody wanted to know right off the get go, and the right, thing that right. threw I me off was... here was a stormtrooper, a stormtrooper hey, in the Sarlacc. I think this was clever that this was kind of what everybody's big question was, right? Like, oh, what do, I, what do I want to see? I want to see him get out of the Sarlacc pit. Well, you're getting that within about a minute. Mm -hmm. and, and so we're going to get that out of the way. And then we're going to move on to telling a story. Right, because in many ways, even though it's been the most, you know, one of the most, you know, biggest questions that the fan base has had for decades, it's really the least important, interesting thing about this story. You know, we know it's got to happen, but at the same time, we need to move past it in order to get to the story we want to get at. 
And by the way, I love the shots of the uh, Java's barge behind them. Yeah. And by the way, did, did, the, the funny thing that I have heard people wondering is, did did they um, was Patton Oswald's um, filibuster uh, the inspiration for how Boba Fett escaped the Sarlacc pit? Have you ever heard that from Parks and Rec? Yeah, I have. But then I also want to say that that's not really the first time that that's been suggested. Uh, if I recall correctly, there was a comic book. Uh, the one back back when Star Wars was in the on the Dark Horse Comics uh, imprint that showed similar in nature, you know, a shot of Boba Fett basically punching his way out of the Sarlacc pit and standing covered in all the goop and whatnot, similar to what Pat Nossel suggested. So this is good continuity uh, when the Jawas are stripping of of his armor. Which is we mm-hmm. knew we knew from the Mandalorian that they had somehow come into possession of his armor and and Jawas are how that happened. Yep, <laughs> dude, don't don't swear. I gotta get. I gotta. Then I have to produce more. Sorry. But, um, <laughs> however, it is funny that it's like the Mandalorian and now the Book of Boba Fett. They've done two things. One, they've uh, like given more. Um, I guess, respect to the Tusken Raiders, even though we'll talk about it here in mm-hmm. a little bit, but they've also made Jawas like they've dropped Jawas down a couple pegs, you know, oh, yeah. because the Jawas were just kind of cute, you know, and they were just running their business, you know, in, in the previous stuff. And now they're just, uh, sorry, they're jerks. So, um, well, they're, they're creatures of, of the desert. They're creatures of, of uh, very harsh environments where, you know, if something's valuable and it can help you, you take it. Much in the same way as the, as the Tuscans are currently uh, taking Boba. You know, to them, you know, there's a value to be extracted from his life or his remains. So they're going to do that. And uh, that's much in the same way as uh, a lot of uh, you know, cultures in harsh environments. I think um, so much of this, uh, and I think like the biggest parallel when when George created them originally was like well, the har- the harsh natives, like from the old westerns, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think like that was kind of an outdated mode of thinking. Um, mm-hmm. The whatever his source material was, which again was probably these older westerns. Um, <coughs> that motif existed and he's drawing from it, but it was a, it was kind of a bad motif to draw from in the first place because it was a very one-sided view of those relationships. And, you know, Mm -hmm. as we've gotten, hopefully society has moved forward. We've come to understand um, that those old Westerns were told from the point of view of the, the quote unquote victors and, uh, Mm -hmm. and, and like, you got a very one-sided view of things and so what the um what the newer star wars that we've seen the new version of the tuscan raiders that we've seen um has been very much more nuanced and again that's a little bit more um again if the parallel is native americans here um or indigenous peoples anywhere in the world um 
it's very much appreciated by me personally. I've always been sort of drawn mm. to those stories anyway. When I was younger, I read a, a, an entire book series, um, and the author's name was Don Coldsmith, if you want to look him up. And it was told, uh, and they told stories of Native American peoples during the time that um, settlement was beginning to occur in the in the West, and but it was all told from their their perspective. Um, mm -hmm. And and so I got a lot of um, insight into Native people from those books, and you know, again, they're fictional accounts, but you can still draw a lot from them, I think, and. Um, and a lot of this stuff rings true, uh, especially mm -hmm. early on here, like where he's getting beat on by these kids. That's, that's on point. That's, that's a thing that would occur in a lot of different cultures where you take in a prisoner and the kids were trying to prove themselves. Like, you know, like I couldn't be a great warrior. I can be a great mm -hmm. warrior too. Like that's the, that's the idea uh present in that and so when somebody's tied up it's a chance for you to kind of oh look see you know i'm i'm hitting this guy with my stick and i'm tough right um you're not really fooling anybody but that's a thing that would go on uh and again it it's kind of like becoming a warrior with the training wheels on yeah <laughs> by the way um, so uh, that... i'm keep going dave sorry Oh, I was going to say, so that just rings really true. And then we're going to see that get paid off here in a, in a, in a few more minutes where um, uh, ultimately what happens with him and the, and the young child and how he saves the young child. So eight minutes in and we finally get our first bit of dialogue. I thought I mean, yeah. there's, there's a couple of technical things that are going on here that I, I found really interesting. First of all, there were two shots that Rodriguez used a point of view you're seeing it from the perspective of Boba Fett. And one was the visor shot, um, which was, you know, which was really cool. So literally through Boba Fett's eyes. And then the other one, when he's getting drugged by the um, Banthas, another point of view shot. Um, I just find some, some interesting choices because we've never gotten anything like that in Star Wars before. Um, by the way, you guys know who voiced the Rodian here? Ooh. Sam Witwer. He's a jerk. Oh. Another jerk. Yeah, the Rodian, not Sam Witwer. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say, uh, that's uh, you know that that first uh, POV shot. It kind of just reinforces the idea that this is, you know, the book of Boba Fett, meaning the story as perceived as told by Boba Fett. You know, so maybe we got to keep an eye on. on how many more of those shots we'll get along the, as the series goes along just to see how often we get put into Boba's point of view for these events as they're happening. Cause we kind of got over you know, some over the head, over the shoulder shots and, you know, through his eye shots. So it'd be good to see. Uh, and to Dave's point, actually, I agree. Uh, it's one of the things that I really like about just in terms of the costuming in this episode, cause it would have been rather easy and simply just the, uh, color palette and sensibilities that George used in both uh, A New Hope and Attack of the Clones for the Tuscan. But the reality here is you get to see a lot more color, nuance, I'm sorry, nuance, and, uh, you know, different decorations and different outfits for them that we haven't seen before. Well, and it might, you know, Brittany and I were talking about that as like, you know, 
what what up with the uh with the the black you know robes and that's that's yeah. not what he's well anyway but what's up with the and it's like i mean different tribe of you know of tuscans mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um and these guys are protection. a little bit more yeah. aggressive and than the ones that dinjarin were you know was you know mm-hmm. talking to and friends with you know but i don't know it, it is it is really cool they like you said it's um I mean, you can almost say that a new hope was that very narrow, stereotypical, you know, cowboys and Indians prejudicial, you know, mm-hmm. just, and then, wow, what we've learned, you know, because the, the world has gotten smaller, you know? Uh, but anyway, um, the thing I, the thing that was kind of interesting is that this whole episode, it's like, they put all the flashbacks, it seems like up yeah. front and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the, I'm there not- might be more coming up. And I think that's, so I found it an interesting they were they they were faced with a choice. It's like, do we sprinkle these in as we go, or do we just let's just address all of it up front? You know, a how to get out of the Sarlacc pit, b how to come to be friends with Tuscan Raiders, and then we can move on with the story. Because I I mean, unpopular opinion, mm-hmm. I was underwhelmed by this episode, and I think part of it mm-hmm. we've we've talked about you know expectations and all that. I think I had way too high of expectations. Um, it just, because the things you heard, I mean, there were reports that said that the trailer was, you're only seeing, um, from the first half of the first episode because you'd get spoiled for a lot of things. And I heard rumors of a cameo that was coming and things like that. So you're kind of, my expectations were high. So it was my own fault, but I I got done with it. I was like, eh, it was nice, you know, but it was like, that's it. Um, and I wonder if it's because of all the flashbacks just right up front. I don't know. What you? What were your guys' initial reaction when you saw it? I think I think I kind of uh, went with it's more or less what I expected for the first episode. Just because there are so many questions. This isn't like uh, the Mandalorian's first episode where we're introduced to a new character, a new dynamic. Uh, this is a character that we're somewhat familiar with and it's more about answering those age-old questions so and even then we had some idea of where he was going to start because we saw him in season two of the mandalorian we saw that piece that final scene at the end um that revealed uh where he was going to go so we kind of had some idea of where this was going to start so it was a different dynamic to mandalorian episode one season one yeah um I think um, the we talked about there needing to be kind of a, a point, and so we're not there yet where we don't understand what the point of all this is going to be eventually. Um, and so, again, that's still to be determined in terms of grading everything. Um, I, I do think it did a lot of the um, dirty work that needed to be done. We needed to know more about, like, how did he even show up in the Mandalorian while we're finding those things out here? Um, and and so, yeah, I mean, it, it probably had the toughest job of any of the episodes that we're going to see um, because it had to try to balance this new story, which is, again, this is how he sort of takes over the throne or who knows where that will end 
end. He may not be on the throne by the end of this, but um, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's basically the narrative that we're trying to tell. And you're and so they're balancing that against these sort of requirements of well, how did we even get to this point? Um, and I thought they did a good job. I thought the flashbacks are sort of a necessary evil. Um, and again, at least they they did split them up because you had most of this backstory stuff at the very beginning. And then now you've got the now, I guess, <laughs> where he's dealing with all these, um, uh, the politics of the throne. Mm-hmm. And then uh, by the end of the episode, we're back into flashback mode. And I'm, and I'm not going, I'm not saying that I didn't enjoy it. I said I was underwhelmed and I'm not also going to be mm-hmm. like this guy. Kate sent us all, you know, this tweet the guy says, as expected, the book of Boba Fett reaffirms how Disney Star Wars just big bi- big budget fan fiction. They turned a ruthless bounty hunter into a respectful crime lord with a heart of gold who talks like an MCU character. Who in the world thought that that was a good idea? I'm like, I mean, wow, I, you're passing judgment after 38 minutes. And I'm pretty sure he probably had that written for like about, you know, six months and just was waiting mm-hmm. to hit send on the tweet. Anyway, but um, I mean, if we want to get into some of the critiques, I, I think they're they're ridiculous. Um, I saw one where somebody said if uh, Robert Rodriguez, uh, a younger Robert Rodriguez, saw the action sequence upcoming in the street where he's fighting, uh, where they're trapped by the dudes with the shields, uh, if younger mm-hmm. Roger Robert had seen that, he would kick his own butt, you know. <laughs> and I, I'm like. I had no qualms at all with a, a lot of the action in this. Um, it was it was fine. Uh, there was nothing about it that stood out to me as being bad. By the way, mm-hmm. before before we get to that scene, I mean, yeah. so the the mayor of Mos Espa sent his like major domo to, and brought no um, offerings to Boba Fett, and then asked for off so he asked for offerings to the mayor so this is seeming like i think we're setting up uh who boba fett's major or or first big foe is going to be is the mayor of mos espa we come to find out that that big city that we saw in the trailer is mos espa which i found is interesting Mm -hmm. Um, cause apparently yeah, there yeah. are only three cities, there are only three cities in all of Tatooine. It's most Eisley. Oh, four. Most Eisley, Anchorhead, most Espa, and most Pelgo. That's it. So what about Tachi? Tachi Station? Tashi, Tashi Station is a building in Anchorhead. Oh, okay. Well, okay, thank you. He's going to Tashi uh, Station no. to pick up some power converters. That's like going to AutoZone to get some, you know, some windshield wipers. Uh, by the way, you did see Mark Hamill finally met it to a t- station named Tashi. No. I'll have to share that with you if I find it. Um, yeah, it's interesting that that the mayor's already, uh, I mean, clearly there's a power vacuum uh, after Bibb's death, well, after Jabba's death, and then after Bibb's death. And so everybody's trying to put themselves in, uh, in the new pyramids, in the new scheme as to to put themselves as high as, as they can, and we see that Boba Fett choosing a different path than what was accepted by everybody. It's interesting. They, you know, Fennec Shand is telling him, "Look, you should kill this guy 
And the, even the droid that is with, it's like, look, Java would have tortured these guys. It's like, nope, I'm going to hire the two uh, Gamorrean guards. No, I'm going to hire them. And uh, Fennec's like, you should be carried out on the street in a, you know, on a litter. And he's like, I can walk. But they're, so he's struggling with the expectations of the image that they're supposed to be having because everybody thinks the only way to be a crime boss is the way that Java did it. So and, I gotta. Uh, that we're gonna see. We're gonna get into trouble. I gotta back up, and because we saw something walking through the streets of Mos Espa that actually mm -hmm. took me out of the episode for a second, and it was most. I wasn't expecting it to, and those are the Boston Electronics, or the Boston. Uh, what is it? <laughs> the, the the you know the whole. It's it's Boston. Is it Boston Electronics where you know they do the the whole the, all the robots, and it was the robot dogs, and so those were the actual, you know. You, you see them, they call them spot, I think, but, uh, and, you know, they try to kick them over and everything, but, and it was weird because it was the first time in star Wars that we saw a, a, a real life thing in that universe. You know what I mean? The land speeder, uh -huh. yes, was a car, but you don't see a land speeder driving down the road, you know, in your city here we've we've seen these boston electronics you know robots and it's really cool idea to implement them into the show but it just took me it was like the first time where it was like whoa something from our universe is in that universe and it was like weird um but then later that was washed away once i saw max rebo has a gig again so that's awesome yeah, that was exciting to see Max uh, teaming up with one of the dudes from the cantina. Um, and there's the just... droid. There's the droid who used to pilot the thing um, in Star Tours, who now is the DJ at Disney World. Uh, so uh, in Oga's Oga's Cantina, I believe. Um, yeah, that oh, droid's yeah. in there as well. Yeah. yeah. So. The um, I so circling back to Fredo's point about the earlier scene with the Gamorians, you know, you're going to see the payoff of that, right? That decision. Um, she said that, you know, you can't have these guys work for you. And he's, he saw the value in having them around because of their loyalty. Um, and his decision ultimately gets proven to be the correct one here. Um, unless we find something out later about, you know, them betraying him or whatever, but they, they swing into action. Um, and and again, I I thought that was one of the effective scenes with mm -hmm. um, and the, the the immediate uh, part before that where they're doing the the uh, the back and forth about who needs to pay whom and because uh, uh, that would go on now right. again like now see like to me none of this I don't have a problem with any of this and in fact. Um, a lot of just revisiting this, I'm I'm just sort of marveling out, out of the construction of a lot of these scenes. Um, I think one of the things that's I think the thing that takes me it's it's kind of like uh, Django and Obi Wan's fight in on Camino. We we don't typically see fisticuffs in Star Wars, mm -hmm. and that's that's just that's just kind of that's just kind of weird. Like when he uses his flamethrower and he uses the thing the rocket a little bit later to vaporize a guy. That's all, st but like the the fisticuffs here, it's just kind of odd. I'm not gonna say it's bad or it's good. It's just it's it's like seeing the Boston Electronics dogs walking around. It's just like, you know. And then some of it but is. Okay. Some but of okay. it's, 
also mm-hmm. like this mm-hmm. last scene right here with the very slow, you know, swing of the axe. It was just kind of, yeah, I don't know, seemed weird. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, this is why you did hire Robert Rodriguez for this particular project, though. If you ever seen stuff like Desperado from Dusk Till Dawn, uh, the mariachi movies, uh, he's very good at building, you know, main, you know, making action scenes that are, you know, in close quarters, very hand to hand. Because I mean, even with guns, as in Desperado or El Mariachi, he's very good at doing that. So you got somebody who's very good at that particular type of action. So that's the aim of the Book of Boba Fett, because we're not expecting to have lightsabers in this story. We're not expecting to have force users in this story. So it's going to be way more grounded, I think, than any project in Star Wars besides maybe Solo, which even then had piloting and flying action sequences. I don't know if we're going to have too many of those. So it's going to be interesting to see how they deliver on action that's not the traditional, quote-unquote, Star Wars action that we are accustomed to expect in any movie or project. Because I mean, ultimately, at some point, we expect Jedi to turn up. This whole this whole sequence actually seems a little bit more Indiana Jones-ish, honestly, mm-hmm. from from mm-hmm. the get go when they all jump down and start you know circling Fennec and Boba to the parkour thing that's going on here right now. Um, yeah. it, this all seems very Indiana Jones-ish, which again I don't have a problem with. Uh, just saying mm-hmm. that it's it's odd. So if people have and when people see something that is that doesn't quite fit, their first reaction is I don't like it. Right, right, and I think, and I think that's part of the, that's part of the good thing of the various uh, of this project, of the fact that we're going to get different Star Wars projects from Disney Plus is the fact that we're going to get different, you know, uh, views of what Star Wars is. Uh, one question I did have: so the episode begins with Boba Fett in the Bakta tank, and Fennec cuts his session short in order for him to begin getting the tributes from all the emissaries. And now we're seeing the uh, the uh, uh, Gamorrean guards putting him back in there, which is a great mechanism for the flashbacks. You know, he's even saying his dreams are coming back. So there's a presumption there that as his body is healing, his mind is, you know, healing and processing a lot of what's happened to him. So that's how we're getting the flashbacks. But I guess my question is this. Why was he in the back to tank initially? Did he go someplace and have a... Something or is this old wound that the, that he's trying to heal and you know and get patched up from? Yeah, I mean he was pretty scarred up and everything. Um, you know, to start with. It, to start with, so um, I'm sure it's probably he finally now has you know the means to you know actually do therapy, yeah. but you know, and it's yeah, that's it's, ob- it's obvious it he's very to. weak because just you know a couple of those shocks, and he was like almost you know dead. But um, so, I, I really think that's how you the storytelling intent there is simply that he now has the means to heal some of these some of these wounds that he suffered, and um, yeah, I um, I think it's an effective way to handle the flashbacks too. Um, and again, it's always going to be a little awkward trying to figure out a way to do it that doesn't feel forced. But um, mm-hmm. so, um, what gives? This with is the, all good stuff. What about this scene here? We're coming up on the uh, the the I guess the farmstead. 
not the farmstead, but um, a a farmstead that uh, is being. Did you think it was the farmstead at more for one moment? What's that? Did you think it was the farmstead for a moment? I actually, it, it looked it more like it looked more like Obi Wan's hut. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's, I mean, it's neither. But um, we see now they're putting some logo. They're tagging the the building. I'm just trying to figure out what what they were. I guess what are what are we what are we saying here? Are we are these the guys from the Cobb Vanth episode? You know that we're trying to take power in Mos Pelgo right after the Death Star blew up. It might be because this would be that time period. I mean, this is after Return of the Jedi. Boba is in the desert, so we would expect that this might be members of that of that uh, crime gang that was looking to take over Mos Pelgo. That eventually uh, Cobb Vance will depose using Boba's armor. So it would make sense that they're involved in at least tangentially in this story. And by the way, you knew that this uh, eventually this. Tuscan kid was going to get his butt whooped because he's a little jerk. <laughs> so, just, just saying. Yeah, well, um, I like the rock thing here as a means of collecting water. Um, it would make sense that the, it would be a kind of low tech for them. Um, interesting uh, that they saw this raid occur. Um, by these bandits and didn't try to take advantage of the situation and collect water there. Um, You know, maybe the child didn't have the authority to make that kind of a choice or wasn't brave enough or what, or what have you. Is it a nobility thing? It's not, you know, it's, it's not, it's an, it's an interesting thing because when we're introduced to Tuscans in the original star Wars, oh, they're, you know, these mindless creatures and everything and and you don't want to venture too far away because you know you they'll they'll hurt you or um and and yet you see there you know there's somebody in a very vulnerable state having just been raided by these bandits and they don't try to take anything from the situation um i find it interesting mm-hmm. Like it here, Boba grabs the the stick as he gets swung at. Yeah, you knew it was going to go bad. Anyway, Fredo. No, I was going to say, and it's it's. I was surprised that this is what they were doing. This is why they were uh, having Boba and the and the same with Rodian digging in the sand, is digging for these rocks that either absorb or trap water. Because you know it seems rather ineffective, but then. It makes sense there. You know, that's that's what that's why they kept them alive initially. And but to help them retain to find out the most the greatest resource they can find. And I gotta say that uh when the Tuscan kid starts pouring out the water, all I saw was the three amigos. <laughs> when they're they're riding through yeah. and they have run out of water in their canteen, but Chevy Chase is just guzzling and spitting it out and dumping it <laughs> waiting for him to find the singing bush here in a second. But anyway. Um <laughs> I'm here for the jokes. Um, however, I will say a cr- little criticism. It's like, did we did we need this much digging in the sand time for this first episode? You know what I mean? It's like, 
you always hear it's interesting you always hear about directors always talking about you know making cuts to kind of keep things moving and uh, mm-hmm. i don't know it's it, of course now we're now we're getting into the thing where th- this was kind of funny um whatever this creature is that <laughs> i know that it's actually crazy that, looking i love well, it <laughs> brit said it's like it's like this is out of clash of the titans yeah it is. And, and and it also looks very stop motiony this is actually some not great um special effects oh i love from it. ilm when oh, i love it when the thing starts moving around it's i don't know it's uh it's such a departure and again when we talk about you said oh the rooftop action sequences were a departure this is a departure it's like yeah yeah man give me weirdness give me stuff i haven't seen before and again i know that we always have you got to walk that line between it being star warsy and not star warsy um but i i had you know a creature attack is very star wars um so the yeah, fact that it's such yeah, a weird looking throwback is is to me is just a huge bonus yeah at first i thought it's like when i saw the claw i'm like did they just want to create dragon that's what yeah, I thought. Then, yeah and he subverted expectations giving you this weird mofo yeah it's like, like i said all of <laughs> a sudden we're in mortal combat you know it's like yeah, Goro, round one fight no because at first i saw it and i went okay, what the heck is this? And then, like, I've never seen, you know, again, we've never seen anything like this in any Star Wars movie, let alone uh, one in Tatooine, because I'm like, how, how much, you know, for a arid planet where water is so uh, precious, it sustains a heck of a lot of life. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so that, that kind of made me stop for a moment. But it's, it's just, it's wonderful. It's wonderful throwback to the serialized Ray Harryhausen version that star wars always began as you know that's and, why we yeah. get all those creature moments in every star wars property at some point every star wars property has to have a, an ugly creature moment and find this it, is it for boba fett find it interesting that he kills the creature in the same manner that princess leia kills jabba the hut and now i need to go back and watch mm-hmm. return of the jedi and see did boba fett fall in the sarlacc pit before jabba died or after well, I think he was engaged <laughs> at minimum during that. He was not in the. Uh, he was not in the general vicinity of Leia when that was going on. But then but I like he, he may have heard about it, sh- surely. I like he gives the lets the kid take all the credit for uh, for killing the creature. That's I mean you know we're seeing that Boba Fett is not a dumb person. And likewise, yeah. the chief. Of the tribe is not done. Yeah, he realizes. He, yeah. he knows right away. By the way, why did he just bring the head? I know it's a heavy beast, and I'm like, okay, you could have brought something else. What, what are we going to do with just the head? Uh, we can't make. What are we going to do? Make soup out of it? Monster head soup? We were joking about this as we were watching me and my bro. It's like, okay, great, and uh, you get an eyeball, and you get an eyeball, <laughs> and I'm going to get a bit of tongue, and uh, you that know. That didn't sound good, Fredo. <laughs> well you know like you can assume we can presume that they'll circle back for the body if they want any fresh paint yeah and it's it's more about the trophy element at this point and Mm -hmm. this moment right here where the chieftain goes okay you you recognized and that you gave him the credit well and here you go this actually um gets into you know 
Boba Fett's line of, I intend to rule with respect. And right. it, did he, is this something that he learned at this moment? Because possibly from, you know, from the Tuscan chieftain, you know, saying, you know, all right, you've earned my respect. So now, you know, we'll work together. Um, because I don't think that's how Boba yeah. Fett has, you know, he did, it's not the way he performed in the, in the clone wars. That's not how he, you know, he's always been, that, you know, so anyway, I think this is probably not, that learning that, moment. That may not be the only learning moment that we see. And I, I kind of hope that mm -hmm. it isn't, but um, it certainly it would certainly qualify for like a, a, a potential outcome that could change a person's viewpoint on such such matters. But and it goes back to a lot of that criticism that you read earlier, Aaron, about how people have lots some Star Wars fans are upset about the character of Boba that we're seeing here. I mean, you're like, wait a minute, this is a character who we know has gone through some serious life-changing stuff in the years since we last saw him. I want to we remind know that he's no longer the same. Yeah, and I want to remind that huh? guy and everybody that Ice T, one of the original gangster rappers, you know, is doing Thai commercials mm -hmm. and like <laughs> auto protection, you know, whatever um, commercials. It's like are mm -hmm. people in are people not allowed to grow? You know, our character's not right, allowed to grow. You know, it's like Boba Fett's old and, and got a little bit of a dad bod, you know, and it's like, you know, maybe he's <laughs> maybe he's figured some things out in life. Mm -hmm. Style, style thing, because we just saw it. I like that they end with the illustrations like they for, to open the credits as they did with uh, Mandalorian. I just like that style choice yeah. a whole lot. Yeah. Anyway the concept art and everything. No, it's, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it kind of shows, okay, how close they stuck to stuff and how, um, how much the vision that they're seeing is making it onto the screen, which is good. I mean, some stuff changed. It looks like the back of the tank originally was vertical. They went to a uh, more of a, a horizontal uh, waterbed model, but some stuff stuck like the chase scene, the shield scene. Um, and the, and the Tuscan Raiders, which, and the monster, even the monster looks very much in the concept design as we got to see it at the end. So, I mean, the, I mean, the episode is, uh, the, uh, the, the series is still wide open. We still have no idea what's going on except for he's trying to be, you know, he's trying to take control of the underworld of Mos Espa, I suppose, of Tatooine. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, we still really don't know where this is all a going. Um, it seems like this first episode was just let's get all the junk out of the way or let's answer as much as we can up front. Um, which, like I said, there's there's a, you know, it's kind of like Dave and I were talking before about how we we're doing this episode. We're going to do this for each of the episodes of Book of Boba Fett. Our podcast is just going to be a, a watch party like this so we can talk about what's on the screen. But there's pros and cons to doing that. And there's pros and cons to what they were doing with, like I said, that choice. Do we show all the flashbacks and get all that stuff away up front? The pro is, is that it gets people, you know, to shut up about how to get out of the Sarlacc pit. Fine. Here's how he got out of the Sarlacc pit, you know, or how do he get with the Tusken Raiders? Fine. Here's how he got with the Tusken Raiders. Um, so there's the pro to that. The con is that it makes for kind of a, again, when you are, and 
yes, my expectations were up, but Disney's been doing a good job at hyping this show. Book of Boba Fett, Book of Boba Fett, and you know, the behind the helmet and all this stuff. And then the first thing we get is him walking through the desert looking for water. I mean, mm-hmm. you can see how some people are like, whoa, really? That's Let's get to the story, a little bit of the story. So um, I think the characterization parts of it are, are, again, if somebody's critiquing that is, again, I think that's where Star Wars fans tend to lose the plot. Uh, we saw so much of that with Luke. Oh, this isn't the Luke that I knew or admired or right. loved. Um, and again, it's the same thing here. It's like, well, Boba Fett, the the Boba Fett that they showed us in Mandalorian was a different Boba Fett than we saw previous to that point. And uh, when we watched those episodes in real time, we we debated: is he going to double cross Mando? Uh, is Boba mm-hmm. Fett going to double cross him because he's a bad guy? You know. And I think like, again, the fact that he didn't do that and the fact that he was an honorable man in those, in, in all of those interactions spoke to the fact that he had changed. So it's like, well, what, how and why and when did he change? And so now let's address that and then try to explain it in, a, in an intelligent manner. And I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Those, those sorts of changes don't just occur and you just have to accept them. Um, they're actually this first episode dealt with that stuff and and i really did appreciate that yeah and, and i think uh, but to the pacing i think it's it's probably going to follow a lot in regards to uh, mandalorian season one where we may have start or maybe more season two where we start off a bit slowly and then things ramped up towards the end uh because as far as i know this is only going to be one season so it's only going to be the six or so episodes that we're going to get. And um, so I, I expect that to next week, maybe you get a little bit more and then week three, will get a little bit more uh, speed up or more action. So it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce it out. And, and it's kind of the difficulty of making a TV show versus making a movie. You know, this started out as it was one of the uh, Star Wars story ideas that was announced back when Rogue One uh, came out. There was the whole idea of we're going to get a uh, Obi Wan movie, we're going to get a Boba Fett movie. Well, now we're going to get an Obi Wan series, and we're getting the Boba Fett series. So, and that's a very a different dynamic to make. Hmm? And that's a very good point because I've thought about this with these Disney Plus series. It's kind of like Hawkeye. Um, and I was thinking right. about this: is that we we see, like I said, for the for Book of Boba Fett, let's say six episodes of roughly a half hour, you know, a little bit more than a half hour each. And it's like, and so there's that, you know, beginning and end and you're either satisfied, not satisfied, you know, whatever, but you, you can't think of it as individual episodes. That's why I said it's, it's basically you are getting a three hour movie and you just watch Mm -hmm. the first half hour of it. You know what I mean? And it's like, so you can take a lot of movies where there's going to be a half hour of walking through the desert and looking for water. And then things kick up, you know, in the second half hour or whatever. Um, and it's not as abrasive, I suppose, as if it was you get to watch the first half hour of a movie and then you get to go, you know, you don't get to watch the rest of it for another week. You know what I mean? So it gets your it gets you time to think about if you were happy, mad, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so I think that's like I said, we talk about leveling our expectations Um, that's why I'm not going to start saying this is a filler episode. I'm not going to say, or this, that, or the other is a filler episode, or 
you know, until you can look at the entire arc of, you know, what's the story from episode one to episode six. So I also want to make one more point about the characterization here, um, which is that he we at this moment of the story, we've assumed that he has learned about becoming a more just and fair ruler and and trying to bring that to the table right and so Mm -hmm. how is he rewarded for taking that approach uh he he was by the end of the episode he's unconscious in a back the tank (laughs) after getting beat senseless so um it's possible that he may adjust his approach over time because uh he's seen at this point what kindness is getting him on this really harsh planet full of harsh individuals. Um, and I would kind of expect that to sort of, for him to kind of find his way through this and, and, and adjust on the fly some. Well, and that's, and that's part of what the story I think has to show us. It's not just how Boba Fett has changed, but how the changes that he's trying to enact are both repelled or cause a reaction from the underworld that he's trying to rule. That's part of the dynamic. It's you know he's trying to come at being the new boss from a different way that Java or even Bit Fortuna did. So we're gonna see. That's why we're getting this reaction where those guys on the rooftop may have been the company that the mayor's majordomo said was gonna come and visit him. They may have been a rival for his title. They may be just people looking to get out from underneath the the crime boss's uh, thumbprint. So. There's going to be a lot of different uh, factions, both aligning with himself and against him. You know, whether that's uh, Jennifer Beals, uh, bar owner, or uh, somebody, you know, the mayor, or well, so we're going to see these dynamics that play with uh, Boba and Senek, who are not necessarily all going to be on his side, but they may be aligned with him for business purposes. So again, different story than what we normally get in Star Wars, where. At some point, eventually, the choice of good versus evil is at the core. This might be a question of more about doing things with respect and toughness versus being uh, a ruthless, horrible, vicious crime boss. So there might be more. This might be the greatest uh, story Star Wars has ever told. Wow. I don't know how to follow up with that. That sounds like a good place to end this first episode. Actually, the grayest story that Star Wars has ever told. Um, uh, and my dog has just woken up and starts licking my hand. Anyway, um, so, but okay, just real quick, just around, around the horn. I said I was underwhelmed the first time I watched it. I said, didn't hate, didn't hate it, didn't even dislike it. I was just underwhelmed. Um, one word after you got done watching it, your reaction, just one word. Dave? Encouraged. Okay. Fredo? Whelmed. Whelmed. <laughs> whelmed. Not under, not over. Can you ever just be whelmed? I was whelmed. I, that's, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, we'll see what comes next week. Like I said, I think the, uh, the story is still wide open. Um, you know, 
So the past is prologue, as they say. We didn't we didn't make mention of the the title, Stranger in a Strange Land. I've heard a lot of people talking about how a that's a reference to a sci-fi novel, and also it's a reference from yeah. Exodus in the Bible, um, from the Moses it's, story. It's originally a it's originally a passage from Exodus in the Bible, but it's also it's sci-fi. It's best known because it's the title to uh, Starship uh, Troopers author. Robert Heinlein, his biggest, you know, his most famous book after Starship Troopers is Stranger in a Strange Land, which is about a person who was born in Mars uh, during a failed uh, uh, mission, returns to Earth after growing up in Mars and is trying to figure out his place in the world because he's grown up away from people, has no idea. And so he's trying to connect in a different way. And of course, given his fame, his notoriety, his fortune, there's a lot of different people trying to pull at him, trying to get him to go his way. And he ends up going through a, a different journey where he, at one point he becomes like a celebrity, he becomes a preacher, he becomes the solution. So it's an interesting title to give the first episode just because it posits the idea that Boba Fett may start out, it starts out as a bounty hunter, who's not trying to be a crime boss, but that may not be where he ultimately ends up. You know, um, and I would encourage everybody, there are two cool um, two YouTube channels that I tend to go to after I watch an episode because they do all these like breakdown of, you know, and references and Easter eggs and stuff like that. It's new rock stars and screen crush. Um, and there's a lot of references in this. I mean, they took some shots directly from old movies. Um, there's a lot of references, uh, in this first episode. I encourage you to go check out those channels. It's really kind of interesting. Um, so where we don't have the time or the means to, to do that, that's what those people get paid like full-time money for. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of like the, like the scene where Boba Fett's getting all of his armor put on. I'm trying to remember what they tell what movie that is directly taken from. Um, but anyway, I digress. You can go to those two channels. Um, so cool. All right. Well, it is New Year's Eve. And so we're not going to ask about New Year's resolutions because you still have another about, um, what, 12 hours to, you know, do whatever the hell you want. So we'll ask the next episode what your resolution is. Um, but I hope you guys have a wonderful New Year's Eve. Um, Dave, are you going to let the kids stay up until midnight or do they have to go to bed? They usually don't have a lot of interest. Uh, maybe Liv will, but we'll see. And yeah. does and does Lucy like the fireworks? <laughs> no, but you know, like actually, she's pretty well adjusted with that stuff. You know how dogs are; they're usually skittish about that, and she does okay. Luna gets mad. She doesn't get scared. Yeah. She gets mad. She gets this bark of like you know, she's like the Karen on the block telling people that they're not supposed to be lighting fireworks off, you know, in the city. Um, she just gets mad. <laughs> um, so she's going to call their manager. So Fredo, are you oh, going to, are, are you going to ring in uh new, uh, at midnight? Or are you going to like celebrate New York, uh, new years? I'm probably, I'm probably going to stay up and celebrate our midnight, not New York's midnight. Although I, I have an early morning tomorrow cause, uh, I have a soccer match that kicks off at six 30 in the morning. So. <laughs> so all nighter, baby. That. All nighter. But yeah, but I may do that. I may do. I may just stay up all night, watch my soccer match, and then 
crash and sleep uh, all Saturday morning, no, that's, day. So. That's, never, that's never a good idea because you'll just feel like garbage on Sunday as well, and Monday will be even worse. That's so true. Um, That's true. So they, they, I may just set my alarm clock, fall asleep at 2 o'clock, get up at 6, watch my match, crash, and try to hope that that, that solved the problem. But, yeah, so I'll, I'll stay up and ring in the new year, try to do it you know, safely and away from the majority of humanity. Well, right here's, here's to a very happy new year and uh i'm not we're not even going to talk about the saints and um let's uh yeah and here's to another hundred episodes so so with that we'll we will say floor. what'd you say fredo sorry we'll get thrown the floor to wish us a happy 200th episode there you go <laughs> so with that we will say who that who that who that and everybody have a wonderful new year and have a great rest of your day.